Hello friends, welcome again to the Bible Project Daily Podcast and the project is to transform lives by making the study of the Word of God, the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. And the overall aim of this project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, over however long it takes you. If you're here for the first time, why not consider going right back to the start and listening at your leisure through the whole series. And you can do that by simply clicking on the subscribe button from wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you'd like to know other ways in which you can connect with this ministry and even access other free Bible teaching resources, then visit the homepage of the podcast on thebuzzsprite.com. With that said, we'll jump off into our new chapter today, Matthew chapter 15, and I'll see you at the back end just to update you on a few things and give you some extra information. Bye-bye for now. So today we begin a new chapter, Matthew chapter 15, and over the next couple of days we'll be looking at the first 20 verses, about 10 verses today and 10 verses tomorrow. And the overall working title I have for this is How to Get to the Heart of the Matter. So before reading the text, I'd just like to ask you a question to consider something. I wonder if you've ever been criticised. Have you ever felt you've been criticised unjustly? Well, I suppose who hasn't? Now, I imagine most of the time when we think or hear about someone being criticised, we automatically assume that there has been something wrong about what they've been doing. However, let me tell you, as I'm sure you yourself will have experienced, that not all criticism is justified. It's not even sometimes remotely justified. Now, I'm sure some of us at some time or another have felt on the wrong side of this type of unjust critical attitude at various points in our life. But maybe it will help us to know today that there was a time in the life of Christ when he was severely criticised, yes, but it was in that way. As a matter of fact, that what happens to him on this occasion, well, on more than one occasion, but on this one particular incident, he's criticised by those who are his enemies, but he's criticising him for what his disciples were perceived to do or not to do. Now, we know that the Bible teaches that Jesus was the perfect man, literally without sin, God in the flesh. So this criticism though aimed at him, wasn't of course at all legitimate in terms of his personal situation. But was it even relevant to his disciples? Well, what comes out of this incident I feel is extremely, extremely important. As a matter of fact, this passage that records what's going on here has been called by some one of the most important passages in all of the Gospels because it shows absolutely the collision of two worldviews of religion. 
two views of the requirements needed in us for us to live a right life before God. The requirement of even having God in our lives. Two views that still divide the world on how we can live a life that is right before God, even to this day. And Jesus, by his answers of this criticism, I believe shows that there is no possibility of compromise or even is it possible to reach a working agreement between these two views, even to this day. I would personally say that very early in my Christian experience, I almost stumbled upon this passage and realising what it actually said has moulded my thinking ever since. This is, I find, for me, an incredibly important truth. This here illustrates an incredibly important truth which arises out of this situation, the one where Jesus faces and his disciples face opposition and criticism. So what is the truth and what is the criticism they're going to face? Well, to answer those two questions, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 15? And I'm going to begin reading to you from verse 1. And as always, as well as there being a transcript of everything I say, the scriptures should always be available in the episode notes, wherever you're getting your podcast from. And if they're not in the episode notes, if the link's been sort of uh, blocked out by your podcast provider, then you can find the full episode notes with the scriptures where the podcast is hosted on the thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com. So let's pick up at Matthew chapter 15, verse 1, which says this. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift of, to God, then he need not honor his father and his mother. Thus you have made the commandments of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah the prophet about you said, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now I'll have to be honest with you and say this is a, a rather complicated passage. It sort of moves from one subject to another and certain parts of it are quite hard to understand. So let me just see if I can isolate the various elements and help us understand clearly in our mind what is going on here and what Jesus is actually undoing saying here. A good way to look at this passage is to understand that it involves Jesus speaking to three different groups of people. It involved him speaking to the religious leadership in response to their criticism, these scribes and Pharisees. But then later we will see him address the crowd standing by and, of course, the disciples themselves. The complexity of this passage lies in the fact that if you look at what's being said very carefully, you will see that the subject seems to change between what is said and what happens between the scribes and the Pharisees and what he then turns and says to the crowd and then again when he changes his direction of speech towards and addresses the disciples. 
So what I'd like to do or try to do today is to get us to walk through the passage and see if we can explain what's going on and to see how or if at all he addresses the criticisms of the Pharisees. And then when I get to the end, I'll try and tie it all together. But that tying together and conclusions we'll probably do tomorrow. Today we'll just focus on the initial conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees. So, And to do that, we need to go back to the start and start at the beginning of the passage. And I'll just read it for you again. Verse 1 says this, Then the scribes and the Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash. Now, right away, this is complicated. And in order to understand what's going on here, we need to begin with this little phrase that they're accused of transgressing the tradition of the elders. Now, this is actually a reference to something called the oral law. And that's, I think we need to take a moment and let me give you a little bit of explanation about that. So bear with me for a minute. Many of us, I'm sure, listening to this will be familiar with what is called the Mosaic Law. That's the core of the Jewish and, of course, following on the Christian faith. But what happened over the centuries after the law was delivered to Moses and, of course, was written down and codified, other laws sort of came along and were added to that that situation. And these were man-made laws, laws that were not actually directly inspired by God, not even were they written by Moses and the prophets, but they became part of what later became known as the oral tradition. Now, at this point in Israel's history, there were some that were saying that these oral laws were even more important than the original written laws. And the reasoning behind thinking was that way. They believed God spoke the law to Moses, but that the law existed before it was even written down. And they believed that these oral laws, oral laws, sort of put a fence around the written law so that these man-made oral laws would ensure that you could, in a sense, not even break through to get to a point of breaking the God-ordained written law. But, of course, that never worked because the focus naturally became a focus on the tradition of these elders and this huge written body of oral laws to the point where the original commandments were being ignored or overlooked and you might even suggest forgotten by some. Well, let me give you an example of an, uh, an illustration of the oral law and it's useful because the one I'm going to give you is in fact the one that is mentioned here in this verse by the scribes and Pharisees who, remember, they sort of saw themselves as defenders of this oral tradition. And they come to Jesus and say, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? So that's the oral law we're talking about. And look at what he says. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now this is not anything to do with hygiene. We all know it's probably a good thing to wash your hands before a meal. It has nothing to do with washing your hands before you eat, this has, but this has everything to do with being part of an elaborate, long religious routine about hopefully achieving ritualized cleanliness, which was part of the extra-oral law traditions. Now, in the Mosaic Law, there were some instructions about the priests washing before they went into the temple properly, the Holy of Holies. 
But what's got added to here by these guys is that they were saying, well, if the priests have to wash their hands and their feet before they go into the temple, then maybe everyone should have to wash as well. And everyone should have to wash on all sorts of occasions before they ate meals. They then said they would also have to wash before they went to the market to buy food, thereby an elaborate system of the washing of hands in a prescribed ritualised way was developed. And it would appear that the disciples of Jesus weren't being seen to do this. They didn't seem to be compelled to do this. They were focusing on teaching on inner righteousness. So how does Jesus answer this attack? How does he begin to answer an attack where you sort of wonder, well, where does he start from when the whole premise isn't right? Well, in truth, he does not answer their criticism. He doesn't even answer in a way because he says to them, the actual criticism isn't even remotely connected to the scriptures or God's commandment. It tells us what he says. Verse 3, he answered and said to them, that's Jesus, why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, honour your father and mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift from God, then he need not honour his father and his mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So notice he doesn't even bother in this passage to answer the criticism of why his, he and his disciples aren't following the rituals of the oral law. He doesn't even go there. He ignores this. He sees it as a false accusation. And instead of addressing it directly, he goes, instead of addressing it, he goes on the offensive and directly attacks them and their perspective. I suppose you could at least say, at least when they went to Jesus on this occasion, they did it face to face. It's worse and harder to deal with criticism when it's behind your back or it's rumour. So at least they went face to face on this occasion, but they won't necessarily always do that in the future. But on this occasion, when they did it, Jesus doesn't even dignify their criticism with an answer. Rather, he says, well, I'm glad you brought this up. Let's talk about all of this. And this is where it gets really interesting, but it can get a little bit complex. So here's his answer. Verse 3, why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your traditions. Forget my disciples, he says. You guys have got a bigger problem. And this is that you're transgressing the commandments of God by the very traditions that you've made. And he gives an illustration of this, which I need to take a moment to explain. He says, Moses wrote God's law down on tablets of stone, which he says, amongst other things, one of those laws written down was to honour your father and mother. Now, among other things, that obviously meant that you needed to help your mother and father wherever you could, to give them due respect, to put them in the highest place, which meant very much at that time that you would protect them in their old age and take care of them. Well, these Jews had come along with their oral tradition, added something new by, by effect of the, the oral law. They had come up with a little device, and it was called a Korah, which is the Hebrew word for gift. So they believed by following the oral tradition, they could take all their possessions, 
all their worldly resources and they could symbolically gift them to God, meaning that all their worldly resources and whatever they were enjoying in their everyday life, any wealth they were enjoying in their everyday life, could in a sense be ring-fenced as being in the service of God because they were holy people. In other words, their lives, their good, their money, and now everything could be ring-fenced as supposedly supporting the work of God, the work of the religious system, and the upkeep of the temple. But in the meantime, of course, that means they were able to say to their parents, or anyone else for that matter, I'm sorry, I can't help you in your time of need because everything I have I have given to God, everything is in his service. So Jesus is saying, you're worried about my disciples washing their hands. And let me tell you, it's your traditions that are actually preventing you from keeping the core commandment of God, one of which is to honour your father and mother. Which is why he then adds in verse 7, hypocrites, well did Isaiah the prophet say when he said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, suggesting that the rules of men are the same as the doctrines of God. So these guys came criticising the disciples of Jesus for not washing their hands, the accusation being they're not keeping the tradition and Jesus responds by immediately moving away from that and says hold on a minute you guys are not even keeping the core commandments let me just pause for a moment and sum up to where we are at this point in the passage the issue here let's be clear is all about the idea of the traditions of men versus the commandments of God that is the cause of the conflict here with Jesus. And Jesus' response to the criticism is by asking the Pharisees back again, but you're putting your tradition over the commandments of God. He's saying, are you going to put man-made mandates over the very clear written word of God? Now, it's interesting to me that even today, conflict between religious groups and even sometimes within churches can very often be about tradition versus what the Bible says. That is the, often the clash, even down to this day. It's happened a lot over the ages. Perhaps the classic illustration of this occurred after the Protestant Reformation, when there was a sort of counter-reformation within the Catholic Church. And that became centred in something that was called the Council of Trent. And at Trento, which is a city in northern Italy, those of the Catholic persuasion gathered and got together and they issued a series of decrees in the Council of Trent. And I'm going to, to quote just one of them for you, which says this, Traditions, I quote, Traditions are to be held with pious affection and reverence as Holy Scripture. That's the whole, the whole doctrinal issue that Jesus is addressing here. When tradition is put on the same par as Scripture, then anything will become possible and things indeed will begin to unravel because they're not rooted in the plumb line. They're not rooted in the solid ground of the, the revealed word of God, which is unchangeable. But let me go one step further and tell you there are other groups who do that sort of thing even today. They have their own book and they put their books alongside the Bible. They have their doctrines and they put those alongside and they give equal authority to the new scripture as they do to the Bible. 
Now, in my experience talking to these religious groups, it seems to me that often their traditions don't actually remain as being equal with Scripture. Usually, they supersede it. They often supersede what the Scripture says and sometimes even outright contradict it. What comes out of their mouths is tradition and their doctrine. What comes out of their mouth is tradition and their doctrine becomes above scripture and sometimes even goes too far as lead people away from the core truths of scripture. And they end up obeying the commandments of men, just like they did in Jesus' day, instead of the commandments of God. It's just the same situation as the Pharisees, Jesus faced with the Pharisees in that day. So that's what starts their discussion. But as I said at the beginning, this passage divides into three parts. Jesus has this conversation with the Pharisees and it's about tradition versus the commandments of God. But it's time to take the next step when he will address the crowd. But we look at that. We look at what he says next time. Okay, that's it for today. I do hope you find it helpful. I can remind you that you can connect to the ministry and even find ways in which you can support it if you want through visiting us at thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com. You can subscribe for this podcast wherever you receive your podcast from and you will won't miss another single episode. And that means you'll have the opportunity to make, to join with this community of people who've made the decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of their daily lives. But that's it for now. And I do hope that you're joining with us and that you're finding this teaching helpful. And we'll pop back again tomorrow and we'll finish off this section of Matthew covering the next 10 verses. So with that all said, it's bye for now from the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.